train! Oh shit! Move it, man! Go on, move it! Get up, fire! Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hot up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. It's a pleasure to be with you. It is. Friends of the show. And, and you, Tristan. And you, Greg. You're, you guys, we're friends of the show. Yeah. By default. We're friends on the show. Yeah. There you go. And off the show. And off the show. Kind of, <laughs> right? Come on, we've got to let them believe the magic. Uh, yeah. It's not just the show, we're friends... You're no. more like a busboy that came in and out of my life at certain points. I guess. <laughs> it's kind of like The Simpsons. Do you remember when you first heard that they don't actually like, that they don't actually hang out, they don't even record together? Yeah, we don't, we don't even record in this. But, I lay down my track, then yeah. Greg comes in and, uh-huh. <laughs> and disperses. Uh-huh. So hopefully if I keep talking you'll finish my... Sandwiches. There we go. That's how you do it, kid. That's how you do it. Hey, but we're doing Stand By Me. We are. Beautiful, Greg Way. <laughs> yeah, I learned from the best. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm assuming you mean me. Yeah. Um, we are doing Stand By Me, 1986. Yeah. So um, normally I would talk about 1986 a little. Yeah. Um, I seem to have brought my notes that do not include what I wrote down for 1986. <laughs> okay. So this bit is going to be a quick segment. Okay. You know what I've got for 1986? What? Haley's Comet. Was that 1986? It was 1986. When's the next one? Is that a thing where there's a next one? No. There is another one. Oh, Haley okay. Haley flashes again. <laughs> <laughs> That's the porn parody. In it should be. So Haley flashes every 75 to 76 years. So 2061. Oh, that's a while. I don't yeah. know if I'll make it. I'll be like 79. <laughs> That's, uh, that's borderline, I reckon, for me. <laughs> yeah. It depends. Look, t- technology and medicine are coming a long way. Yeah. And you got the COVIDs and stuff. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Or maybe we won't. Yeah. But in 86, it was all over. I think I was in kindergarten and it was all over school. Yeah. I remember hearing this. It was stuff. the Haley's comment. Yeah. I mean, I was only two, but years later, I remember like in the school library and stuff, there oh, be a poster oh, or oh, something, oh. you know, just somebody. I never really got what it was. Yeah. It's a comet. Mm. So, you know, if you were alive then, um, I hope you enjoyed that, Member Berry, and all the detail we, we provided. So, is that essentially a shooting star? Because yeah. I would I would argue that four other stars shot out that year. Oh, nice! It is. Actually I was really trying to make that work. You did, did I? Yeah, it is a shooting star. Um, it was a big year for stars. It was a big year for shooting stars. It was a big year for rising stars. Mm. It was a big year for movies. Yeah. So the box office in 1986, the number one movie of the year was Top Gun. Oh, number two, Crocodile Dundee, which we're going to do soon. Oh. By the way, Aliens, Platoon, Star Trek oh. Four, The Voyage oh. Home. Karate Kid 2, Back to School, The Golden Child, Ruthless People, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which we've done before. But yeah, the number 13 movie in 1986 was none other than this very picture we're talking about tonight, Stand By Me. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see no, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me It's a 
So it came out in August of 1986, budget of $8 million. Modest. Modest. With, with a gross of $52.3 million. That's some rummy. That's some real rummy right there. That return on movie investment is strong. Critic score, 91%. Audience score, 94%. It's universally loved, this mm-hmm. movie. Universally mm-hmm. loved. But I never saw it until this week. Wow. We talked about this in the sound. Yeah, episode. I know, but I forget. You forget. <laughs> Don't be surprised at my forgetting, Tristan. Um, <laughs> we did talk about it in the Sandlot. Um, this is my Sandlot. Makes sense because this, you see where a lot of the Sandlot came from. <laughs> 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 and Wonder Years and I guess a lot of things that followed. Uh-huh. But yeah, I hadn't seen it. Yeah. I, I knew most of it from pop culture so I didn't do a plot prediction because I know what happens. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's one of those ones that's always been on the to-do list and not that I was avoiding it and not that I was in a rush to watch it either. It's just like I know that's good. That'll be good to watch one day. Yeah. Um, I've got a few movies like that. I haven't seen Godfather 2 yet. I've only seen Godfather 1. It's like what, what better delight than to watch an old movie for the first time. Yeah. So That you know is good. That you know is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in saying that, I was pretty nervous about doing it on the podcast because I was worried that I wasn't going to like it. Yeah. Because I don't love sentimental stuff that much, although I just obviously we just talked about that I liked the Sandlot. I like to think of that as the exception <laughs> rather yeah, than the rule. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. And so, like, I, I'm not a huge Shawshank guy. Mm-hmm. I like it; it's fine, but it's not like not the way it's. Oh, that's a special movie. I don't have that feeling yeah. towards it. I'm like, yeah, it's a good movie. It's not your favorite movie. Yeah, it's all right. And then like the Green Mile too. And so I had some of those images in my head of like okay. his overly. That's the, the Stephen King non-horror. Yeah. Things types. that have just overly, oh, look how earnest we all are. Mm. So I was a little bit worried. I, I mean, I heard it was good. I was always thought I would like it. But then once you put on the lens of we're doing it on the show, I'm like, fuck, I know everyone loves this movie. Yeah. It would be really shit to cover, <laughs> to not like it. That's okay because at least, at very least for our listeners, it's only one person that potentially didn't like it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's not going to be two guys shitbagging, stand by me. Yeah, right. Well, and not to skip ahead, we're not going to be in that situation, so it's going to be fine. But what about you growing up? Did you watch this? Uh, yes. This at is, a young age? Uh, I did. Um, I've got a very, a very, very clear first memory of this movie, which is potentially boring, but I'm going to share it because it's cathartic. Go for it. Um, so we used to take family holidays in the old Trago DX yes. and we would pile up to northern New South Wales where my dad's from, so around kind of Coffs Harbour-y type, yeah. which um, for those that don't know is about six hours north of Sydney. Yeah. Um, we'd stay with dad's family that we didn't really know. Like as kids we didn't know them very well. There was – they all seemed to live in pubs. Huh. In various places up that way. Interesting. So I don't know if they owned them or they ran them or they were alcoholics or a combination. Right. <laughs> um, most likely the latter. Um, so we were up at one of these pubs that was kind of inland a little bit from Coffs Harbour and it was a big, beautiful old pub and I have very fond memories. It's probably why I'm quasi-alcoholic now <laughs> because of my youth growing up with the scent of cigarette ashtrays and yeah. beer, stale beer in, in red red carpet. <laughs> So anyway, we're up there for some kind of birthday. The parents were all raging and I was getting put to bed a little bit earlier. I must have been, I reckon I would have been about seven at the oldest. Right. 
And I saw the older group of kids were in like one of the rooms where the TV was watching a movie. So I kind of like snuck in because I was mm. a fair bit younger than a lot of them and probably, you know, not wanted. I yeah, would yeah, say. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I snuck in and I remember. Such a disease. Yeah. <laughs> Go easy on the Pepsi. Yeah. Uh, so I I just snuck in and I was watching this movie. And at that age, these kids were like, the kids in the movie were older kids. Yeah, right. So I'm watching the le- through the lens of this movie about older kids. Yeah. I can't remember what scene it was, but I was I was kind of in there for about 10 minutes before I got, before I got sprung. <laughs> but then uh, in due course I, you know, managed to get my hands on it a year or two later back, yeah. back home and it was a pretty significant movie. So we tried to replicate a lot of what they did in that movie right? as, as kids. So we'd like kind of pretend we were going on these adventures overnight but we were really just going down the bush for the day and yeah. identifying where we would have slept. See, and that's interesting because I got – we basically did the same thing but I hadn't seen this movie. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because, I mean, we'll get into the rewatch and it resonated with me for some of those reasons. Like I felt like I went on similar adventures, at least in my mind. Similar conversations, I'm sure. Yeah, similar conversations. We'd go down to, I think I mentioned before, like there was this bush track between school and home, like high school and home. Yeah. And me and Jono would go down there because there was a big sewer thing there and we'd go looking for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was like rumored that there was a flasher on the bush track, and so we went to find the flasher to become heroes. Yeah, <laughs> and I took like my Swiss Army knife that my dad oh, gave yeah. me, and I remember, I remember vividly, kind of like, <laughs> what are we doing to find him? I don't know. <laughs> and then some kid was walking home from school and was like, "You guys are the flasher, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> no. We would have all those same, yeah, micro versions of this kind of. Epic tale, I suppose. Yeah. And that's <laughs> and as you say, we'll get into it, but that's part of the beauty, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, man, it was it was uh, I remember the first time I glimpsed it very clearly at a very young age, and it was it it was a pretty profound movie for me growing up as well, because yeah. um, for reasons we can probably get into. So yes, big yeah. movie. Yes, big one. Well, should I get into the origin story? I think you should get into the origin story. <laughs> Origin story. So Greg picked this movie, and I, I think I stumbled upon why. Um, <laughs> his dream came true. Finally, we're doing a movie based on a novella. Hey, <laughs> it's a novella. Once I read that, I was like, "Wait, what year did this come out? Did this come out in '88?" As if it was novella and '88. That's a that's a great it's, special. It day. would have been like <laughs> this whole thing has been geared up for this moment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was based on a Stephen King novella, novella. <laughs> called The Body, which came out in 1982. It was, I think it was a book with a bunch of other short can stories I, in it. Can I, sorry, can I just say every time I read the word novella doing yeah. research, which came up all the time, yeah, by the way. me too. It's not called anything but a novella. Yeah. I just <laughs> I smiled inside and on my face. I had to resist the urge to like do yeah, same, same, same. <laughs> it was the hardest week. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, continue, all novella. Right. Um, Stephen King. Stephen King, it's a book. You know, usually when we talk about something that's based on a book, we talk about, oh, they changed this and changed that. Yes, there are some changes, which I'll get into a bit later, but ultimately it's a very, said very true to the original text um, with some tweaks. Um, so I'm not going to go down a huge rabbit hole just there. Yep. But ultimately a couple of writers got their hands in this book by the names of Bruce A. Evans and Reynold Gideon. I love it when a writer gets his hand on a book. As yeah. A, 
or screenwriter. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of le- I'm learning. <laughs> well, interestingly, they loved it, and obviously, I mean, you can tell there's a lot of love for this movie in this room. But you wouldn't guess some of the other movies these guys have done. Mm. Not a lot of heavy hitters, but they did Cuffs. Cuffs. <laughs> I remember Cuffs very well. In Do you remember Cuffs? To jungle vaguely. Christian Slater and his dad was a cop, but he was a bit of a deadbeat, but he knew he could be a cop. Yeah. He had it in him. We should do it. We definitely should do it. Jungle to Jungle, we shouldn't do. I think that was Jonathan Taylor. No, was it? It was definitely Toolman. Yeah, okay, maybe that's what it was. It's based on something French, so it's cultural. Oh. Le Jungle. <laughs> well, basically these two guys loved this book. Mm-hmm. They got in, ta- in touch with uh, Stephen King's agent to try and secure the film rights. That'd be, is that hard? Because I think so. Like how many people, Stephen King is, even by this point, he's big big time, right? Well, there's these stories too. There's some, well, for this one he wanted 100 grand and 10% of the profits. Ah, okay, yeah. But apparently, ah, fuck, I can't remember the exact, uh, I'll tell my version of it which may not be exactly true, but apparently there are some scripts he'd sold for a dollar. Uh, some books he'd sold the rights to for like a dollar. I think either because he wasn't that attached to them or just wanted to see what would. Interesting. Yeah. Why not like a hundred well, dollars? Well, a hundred thousand, which mm. was the case in this case. Um, they negotiated that down eventually to 50 grand or something and a smaller share of the profits because they didn't know if this was going to be a big thing at all. Yeah. It's just a nice little story. Yeah. Um, because no one was interested. They tried to yeah. get the studio on board. No one was interested. Um, they eventually hooked up with a director by the name of Adrian Lin. He did Flashdance. He'd just finished Nine and a Half Weeks. He went on to do Indecent Proposal, Jacob's Ladder. Well, they're all quite a certain style that wouldn't lend itself to a no. group yeah. of four it's young a weird, boys. It's a weird one, isn't it? And um, no one wanted it. And they, they landed with a production house called Embassy, which something I was reading Rob Reiner referred to as basically the last station before the desert. There's, there's nowhere to go after that. Nice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then Adrian Lin had to drop out because he was like he, he really wanted to take a break after nine and a half weeks. Apparently he was exhausted. Never seen that. And um, some, me neither. But I've heard, I've heard things. This is Mickey Rourke, right? Yeah. Mickey, yeah, when he had a normal face. Oh. Oh, sorry, buddy. I'm scared of Mickey. <laughs> Me too, man. I don't think we should slag Mickey Rock off. I don't know. He might come for us. Well, I don't know. We can. Robert De Niro would have our back. Yeah. I don't know if Robert De Niro knows they have beef. You know, it's one of those ones where Probably he's so not. far he's above. He's too busy he's yelling like, at <laughs> random politicians. Yeah. Well, somewhat serendipitously, Rob Reiner gets called on more from a script point of view just to get his eyes on and go, what do you think about this? Yeah, what, do you, what do you got here? And um, he had some thoughts. Um, he wasn't initially in discussions to direct. At this point, he had started directing movies, but he is more popularly known as Meathead from All in the Family. Um, but yep. he had he had directed This Is Spinal Tap and another movie called The Short Thing. Don't know much about The Short Thing, but nope. obviously This Is Spinal Tap. Huge. Huge. But a comedy guy nonetheless. Mm. A comedy guy. Satire. Not an obvious choice for this particular picture. But he, he reads the script, he has some thoughts, but he ultimately gets hooked in. So I read it, and I said, boy, there's some great writing in this, great characters. Um, I don't really know what it's about yet, but, boy, I'd like to do something like this because it, it's the, the, the tone of it and the sensibility was very close to my personality and the way I saw the world. So I said, let me do this. And, and when I took it, and they said, okay, you think you're going to 
And when I took it on, I, I got migraine headaches because I really didn't know what it was about. I mean, the character of Gordy was kind of an observer. He wasn't really involved in the story so much. And when I when I hit on the fact that he was going to be the main character and it was about him and this journey to see the body was uh, was something he had to do in order to come to grips with um, his relationship to his father and how his friends helped him see him through that difficult time because he felt his father didn't love him um, and his father liked the brother better and all that. And I thought, okay, now I can see what this film is. The... Uh, the strength that you get from friends and how friends can make you feel good, you know, help you f make you feel good about yourself. The scene where Gordy, you know, where Chris says to Gordy, says, you know, your father loves you. He just doesn't understand you. And I felt at the time early on that that was similar to the way it was with my father, that he did love me, but he didn't quite understand me. And so this film was like, even though a rite of passage for those characters in the movie, it was like a rite of passage for me. It's nice. Very nice. But, yeah, apparently that gave it its focus, yeah. focusing on Gordy because the book as well was just kind of equally about all of them and mm. yada, yada, yada. But, yeah, making him kind of the the main guy and probably the most arguably normal one that would be sort of the uh, audience surrogate in, the, in a way. Well, and he's the narrator too, so I guess he's also just, yeah, he's explaining everything to us. He's the guy. Yeah. Hey, but how about a plot twist? They've just refocused. They're getting excited about this script. Mm -hmm. And what should happen? Embassy gets sold to Columbia Pictures. Oh. Columbia Pictures, not a fan of this project. They want to throw the whole thing out. Oh, man. So no one wanted to make it. They were Hollywood, already at the last station Hollywood, before the desert. Yeah, Hollywood's brutal, man. Hollywood is brutal. It's cutthroat. That's one thing I've learned. Man, most shit, it's a miracle. We shit on a lot of movies on this podcast, but ultimately for any movie to get made is massive feat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But a man named Norman Lear, mm -hmm. who was uh, who was one of the co-owners of Embassy, um, he was also involved in All in the Family, where um, Rob Reiner played Meathead. He gave seven point five million of his own money to make this happen. So, if you recall, it was only an eight million dollar budget. He gave seven point five million of that of his own money to make this happen. That's what how, a oh, he's legend, a private investor. Yeah, like in like the the Cowboys in. Entourage. Entourage. Exactly. Haley Joel Osmond's dad. Exactly. Billy Bob Thornton. I was going to say, was it Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, it was. I, yeah. I assume it was. What a good combo. Norman Lee looks exactly like him. I, that's how I'm picturing him. <laughs> um, but he believed in it. He backed it. Eventually, uh, Columbia agreed to distribute it. But, man, it was it was a battle. It almost didn't happen many, many times. Basically, like, who the fuck wants to make some movie about four kids in a train track. What's that got to do with anything? What, they're going to find a dead body? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> who cares about the What is that? Why would anyone be interested it's in this movie? The, it's about the journey, not the destination. You're damn right. That's what he should have said. That's what he should have. Maybe Rob. he did. Maybe. <laughs> I feel if he said that, we wouldn't be in this situation. Well, he got made. We're in a good situation. It happened. True. And with a with a bloody bloody great cast. So crazy. There were a few precasties. I'm not gonna go down a huge precasty rabbit hole because basically anyone that was this age then gets thrown around. So Michael J. Fox. But you're Sean Astons. He's too old. You got your Corey Hames, you got others, yada yada yada. But ultimately we ended up with Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. As Gordy. Uh with Richard Dreyfus as old man Gordy. Mm. Uh River Phoenix as Chris Chambers, Corey Feldman as Teddy Duchamp. Jerry O'Connell as Vern Tessio, Kiefer Sutherland as Ace the Asshole, John mm -hmm. Cusack as Denny, 
yep. Gordy's older brother, and Quato was Gordy's dad. <laughs> <laughs> it took me the whole movie to figure Open out like, who is that guy? Gordy. It was Quato. Yeah. Kato? He had one of those. Kato? Quato. The guy with the alien in his belly. Yeah, in, in Total, Total Recall. Recall. It, uh, looking at this guy's face the whole movie, and I'm like, I know you. Who are you? Yeah, I kept trying to make him the, the girl's dad in it because he's just another asshole. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they're all adults. They're all assholes in these movies, aren't they? And there's a lot of parallels with it as well, which we'll get into in a sec. Um, but ultimately, they got all these people in front of a camera. Oh, they changed the name, so it was the the novella was called The Body, mm-hmm. which didn't really sound like a great name for that a movie. That sounds it's, like a movie more by the director of Nine and a Half Weeks. And exactly, decent proposal. <laughs> Maybe that's why he was out. Yeah, it's he like, read the script. Yeah, he was in by the name, and then he was like, "Oh, this is not what I thought it was." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Rob Reiner decided, what about Stand By Me, named after the famous Ben E. King song. And there you have it. The rest is history. They got all these people, got them on some train tracks, made them run around a bit. Mm-hmm. And Bish Bash Posh is a movie. Yeah. Let's play the trailer. In all our lives, there's a fall from innocence, a time after which we are never the same. It happened in the summer of 1959. A long time ago. Oh, man. Where do you hear this? Where do you hear this? What is it, man? You guys want to go see a dead body? When the night has come and the land is dark. We interrupt to bring you an update on the search for the missing 12-year-old Ray Brower. Kid's gone. They're never going to find him. Not where they're looking. And the moon is the only light we'll see. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. We're going to be famous. We're going to be on every radio and TV show in the country. I still don't think we should go. one food for the rest of my life that's easy pass cherry flavor pass no question about it and i could go someplace where nobody knows me we found him we got dibs we better start running eyeball they got dibs (laughs) the four of us eyeball you just make your move you're dead for some it's the last real taste of innocence. I'm never going to get out of this town now, my Gory. You can do anything you want, man. And the first real taste of life. This is really a good time. The most. A blast. But for everyone, it's the time that memories are made of. So darling, darling, stand by me. Oh, stand by me. Oh, stand. Stand by me. Turns out there's no good trailers for this movie. <laughs> the one you just heard was the best one I could find perhaps in post because the two I just played were shitty. Mm. They well, they were fine, but they don't, don't, don't feel like this movie, do they? they? Well, they just and they didn't feel like a trailer. No. In a world. Mm. Well, I mean, with that being the case, there's a few gaps there. Maybe you can fill in some of the gaps with a little yeah, plot synopsis I'll, for us, Greg. I will. It's a simple film, so I'm not mm. going to overcook it. Okay. Um, Four young friends in Castle Rock 
embark on an overnight journey to find a dead body. There's no clowns, there's no giant cats, or small cats, there's no graveyard. There's no regular cats. No the cats? Cat free. Four friends, Gordy, the younger version of our narrator, shy, creative, ignored by his folks and grieving the recent tragic death of his perfect older brother, John Cusack. Chris, handsome, misunderstood troublemaker, the leader of the group. Teddy, the angry, dishevelled kid growing up in a violent household. And Vern, the tubby one, full of enthusiasm, the butt of all the jokes. And Sincerely. The... Yeah. He says sincerely a lot. He does say sincerely <laughs> a lot. It's a good word. Mm. Also the owner of a sweet hair comb. <laughs> it's a love great. letter to childhood innocence, to boyhood mateship. A sweet reminder of how the littlest things seem complicated when you're young, but in hindsight, it was the simplest and most happy time of your life. Yeah. Five stars. <laughs> Man. Yeah, it was a good movie. How was the rewatch? How was the yeah. watch? Well, like I said, I was a little nervous. So, could I ask, um, as you talk us through your uh, rewatch or mm. watch, I should say, mm. can you give me or give us, I should say, give us a little bit of uh, color to the viewing scenario? Uh, you know, the viewing oh, situation. I, I was, it? I went, I did it probably. I watched it in here. Yeah, sound up, lights down, hundred percent. Yeah, nice. right in front of the telly. Which I think I have to do from now on because I get too distracted in the lounge room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, at, at, at first I was like, oh, okay, I kind of see where this is going. Like the characters, I felt, oh yeah, yeah. So there's the there's the tough guy, there's yeah, the yeah. fat one, there's the oh, okay, here we go. That's uh, but how wrong I was. They 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 as the movie unfolded, these characters kind of revealed themselves to be fully three dimensional, interesting humans, and not just you know. Vessels for nostalgia and sentimentality and shit. Like it was, I was drawn in. Um, I think also it was just good timing. It was a refreshing watch. It's good to watch something just grounded, small stakes, uh-huh. little things like you said. Big, big to them, but you know, there's no blue lasers in the sky with aliens coming down and that kind of shit. Very human, very grounded. Small stakes, but big stakes. Big stakes. For small people, <laughs> maybe that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That um, could be the that could have been the poster. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I said, I, I didn't ever go looking for a dead body specifically, but me and John, I used to do that this kind of shit. So it all it, it resonated with me a lot. The sim- yeah, just the the basic construct of yeah day to day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but the one gripe I have with it, it's not really a gripe. It's just selfishly, I'd prefer <laughs> if they changed it. Yeah. Was throughout the whole movie, the whole time, I did. I felt this sense of dread, and maybe because oh, it was yeah. River Phoenix, and you kind of know where that's going in real life. But I felt like, oh, some disaster's going to happen. Here. Someone's going to die. Yada yada. yada. Oh, so you like, is in like you're waiting for something? Yeah, like something bad's going to happen. They don't. They're not all going to make it or something. I don't know. But then I make it all the way to the end. Chris didn't die. Not only did he not die, he went to college. Mm. Not only did he go to college, he became a lawyer. Oh, and then he died. <laughs> like yeah. It was like a real, feel like I felt like he, they stabbed me in the heart. Did you notice at the beginning of the movie the article he was reading in his truck, the newspaper? No. Oh, he had just died the week before, I think. So, yeah, so when he, the opening scene, which I never noticed mm. actually, is um, he's sitting in his car on the side of the road and he's looking at the newspaper and there's right. a column 
local lawyer, oh, whatever, you know, Chris yeah. such and such dies um, in bar fight. Yeah, right. Because I, I watched it twice. So I watched oh, it again good. today and I did notice at the end they said, and just last week he got stabbed. And it says that at the end. So that it's it's like what, it, I think it's what prompts the reflection. Yeah, right. That's what starts the whole thing going. So but man, missed, yeah. but I was pissed because I, I felt betrayed. I was like, oh, how good. He made, he's a lawyer. Like I got so excited and then heartbroken within one thing. Because you, you just learned he got out of the town and everything. All that, all that yeah. emotion around, I wish I could go somewhere where no one knows who yeah. I am. And then you hear that he did it. And in the same breath, you hear that he died. <laughs> Just randomly yeah. being stabbed in the throat. You're like, yeah, fuck trying to break up a fight. So my recommendation here, because fuck you, Stephen King, <laughs> my recommendation here would be just put the end of The Sandlot in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so and Gordy grows up to be a sports commentator. Yeah. And Chris is a yeah, Chris, big Major League Baseball player. Yeah, Chris grows up to be Chris Chambers, the Jet Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah. And you get yourself a picture. Everyone's happy. I love it. Yeah, so that's my version. Who that's else my loves cut. it? Disney. Release the Tristan cut. And bring River Phoenix back to life. Man, what a oh, so many so many things to talk about in this one. You know, this feels like a weird. This is a weird movie to talk about because, like, usually it's quite a serious movie. <laughs> like often, yeah, we're like, you know, either make laughing with it or at it or whatever. And this one is just like quite a serious. It's quite a serious movie, and I have. It's not going to be as many lols this episode. It's not a lol. Yeah, it's yeah. not lol rich because the movie. You know, it has a lot of gravitas. Yeah. It's like it's an important movie for me. Yeah. So I don't want to – I'm not going to be like teasing it. Plus, yeah. you know, you've got some pretty tragic stories about some of the cast members yeah, which we'll a get lot into. Of baggage? I don't want to say baggage, but there's like meta weight. things around this movie that make it – Yeah, we can't be yeah. we can't be poking a lot of fun here. Yeah. But we can still have fun talking about the movie. I'm having fun. And I, I mean I'm sure you've got a sweet Vern. Hey, good. Wait, guys, it's a, I bought a comb. <laughs> That's my Vern. That's a good Vern. I bought a comb. That's <laughs> so good. You didn't have any hair. Um, well, I brought it for you guys. <laughs> Sincerely. <laughs> my rewatch yes. was, was lovely. Carol hadn't seen it before, so it was, you know, always nice to watch it with someone that hadn't yeah. seen it before. It was interesting. I haven't seen it for a while. I saw it a lot when I was a kid mm. and I've seen it, you know, periodically throughout the years. I still managed to find some new parallels because there's some parallels that I had with this movie as a kid. Yeah. Even like when I was finishing my notes this morning, I had like Bruce and Lola like climbing on me trying to get me away from the keyboard. Ah. And then I read that Richard Dreyfus was actually 38, my age. Jeez. As the older guy in this movie. Yeah. Surely that guy seems a fuckload older than me. When you first watched this, the kids were older than you. Kids are older than me. And, and now and you're I'm the, the same older, age the as the dad. Even though he looks 50. Even though he looks 50. And he was 38, by the way. Yeah. I looked it up. Richard Dreyfus was actually 38. But he always looked old. Even in Jaws, he looked old and he was like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is, we were just talking about, because wives of the show want us to do that movie now and then. Yeah, um, which is the female version of this. Kind of, yeah. And we will say how. How unfortunate it is. <laughs> <laughs> Christina Ritchie. Christina Ritchie grows up to be um, Rosie O'Donnell. O'Donnell. But I feel like this is equally disappointing. Poor old Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton was a, a good-looking boy. Yeah, he grows up to be 50 when he's 38. To be, to be Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> what am I going to be when I'm 38? 50. Richard Dreyfus, 50. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed the rewatch, man. There was a few little bits and pieces in there I hadn't picked up before, like that opening scene. Mm. And yeah, I think 
probably highlighted the tumultuous back backgrounds or you know lives that the, that all the kids were going through as they as they embarked on this little mini adventure. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot to like about this movie, Greg. There's two, I guess, themes, two ingredients I love in this movie. The first I touched on already, which was at first I was a bit like, oh, here we go. There's four kind of stereotypical kids. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of complement each other and, you know, yeah, yada, yada, yada. You got the but funny then, one, the introvert. Yeah, the yeah. But then how wrong I was, man, especially when you get to River Phoenix uh, with Chris. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And you, oh, man, what a great character. What a fucking actor, man. <laughs> I know. It's so depressing in that, like, the rewatch is tough just knowing. Yeah. Because there are some parts where I'm like there's a little bit of awkward kid acting and I'm like, yeah, whatever. But then that scene where he he breaks down. Actually, why don't I play that scene? Because that shit, man, oh, man. It's significant. <laughs> it and is significant. Sig- I would say, yeah, we'll play the scene. And because he is a tough guy and he he breaks down. I knew kids like this that I, every now and then you'd see that side and you're like, oh. Well, it, yeah. it, was, it was really, really something. Yeah. No one even asked me if I took the milk money that time. I just got a three-day vacation. Did you take it? Yeah, I took it. You knew I took it. Teddy knew I took it. Everyone knew I took it. Even Vern knew it, I think. Maybe I was sorry and I tried to give it back. Tried to give it back? Maybe. Just maybe. And maybe I took it to old lady Simons and told her, and the money was all there. But I still got a three-day vacation because it never showed up. And maybe the next week, old lady Simons had this brand new sugar on when she came to school. Yeah, yeah, it was brown and had dots on it. Yeah. So let's just say that I stole the milk money, but old lady Simons stole it back from me. Just suppose that I told this story. Me, Chris Chambers, kid brother to Eyeball Chambers. Do you think that anyone would have believed it? Oh. And do you think that that bitch would have dared tried something like that if it had been one of those douchebags from up on The View if they had taken the money? No way. Hell no. But with me? Well, I'm sure she had her eye on that skirt for a long time. Anyway, she saw her chance and she took it. I was the stupid one for even trying to give it back. I just never thought... I never thought the teacher... Oh, so fuck anyway... Even had like a little snot ball at the end there too. Like so you get a lot of authenticity from a snot ball. Yeah, you really do. It can be overdone though. I've seen a few <laughs> snotty cries in movies where you're like, "Oh, guys, I think you've you've jumped the you've shark with the it. yeah with the loogie." You shot the loogie. Yeah, that's a tasteful amount. And yeah, I think like that's just a good example, I guess, of like 
you strap yourself in, you're like, oh yeah, I get these characters. But then there's there's complexity there. He's like the sweetest, he's the tough guy, yeah, quotes, yeah. but then he's like the sweetest one. Yeah. He's like so affectionate to them all. And he's, he's super like vulnerable. So loving. Yeah. And, and he's wise. He's wise. Like he's not just a tough kid. Like, you know, I think when he's, when it's going the other way and he's consoling Gordy and Gordy's sort of breaking down and says, yeah. well, you know, my dad doesn't love me. And he said, no, my dad hates me. He goes, he doesn't hate you. Yeah. He just doesn't understand you. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. Pretty profound from a twelve-year-old. Yeah, and I think there's probably borderline moments where it becomes a bit like, okay, these kids are what? But I think it doesn't. It doesn't quite. <laughs> nah, it doesn't. Yeah. I think it's like it stays in. It the flies zone. under the radar. Yeah, yeah. It, it still works. Just, yeah. Because there's nothing. I hate when they have kids that just act like adults. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah, isn't yeah. that. These are kids. Yeah, these are kids being kids. They're yeah. still being stupid. Scallywags. They're still being scallywags. They're still comparing the strength of. Superman to Mighty Yeah, Mouse. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jerry O'Connell, man, his character, like a few of the other character bits that I really like loved, the the sheer look of terror on Jerry O'Connell's face running <laughs> from the train. Yeah. I, I laughed my ass off. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I just got his face. It's like, he, it's like he wasn't acting and he really thought Well, was... he did get, they got yelled at apparently. Did they? <laughs> so Rob Reiner apparently lost his shit once the whole, the whole time and it was that scene. Really? And the, those two were dicking around a lot uh-huh. and he wasn't getting the shot. Uh-huh. And so he, he goes, I unleashed on them. He goes, it was, he goes, it was part anger or frustration that they were dicking around but more to like to get I wanted the shot. <laughs> he goes, I didn't want to do that old movie. I didn't want to be like yeah. scaring them into get every shot I needed. But he goes, I just I tweaked it at the right time. And that <laughs> was, that was he just copped a bollocking from, oh, man. from Rhina. Apparently they had um, small women as their stunt people. Yeah, I saw that. Did you see? I saw Jerry O'Connell's one. I saw there's oh, a I didn't photo. See that. Is there photos? I'll I'll dig it out for the gram. Oh man, and he was so funny. Oh, and I also love which is very kid like when when you're a kid. They're all quite different, right? But when you're a kid, you don't really care. And as you no. get older, you start like sticking to your tribe a bit more. Yeah, and yeah. You start to find people like you. But yeah, that when you have mates as a kid, it doesn't really matter. I um, think um, it seemed that they basically. Cast kids that were those characters. It seems like it. Yeah. yeah. So they were all, like you listen to Will Wheaton talks about it saying that I was basically, I was Gordy. Right. I was kind of like the shy one. I was bullied yeah. a bit on set. He got, apparently Feldman bullied him quite a lot. Really? Yeah. He goes to a point where it was actually a thing. Really? Yeah. He goes, I think Kiefer did too. Yeah. Kiefer scared, Kiefer scared them all. He yeah. stayed in character. Yeah. But, um, but, he, but Will Wheaton said he was bullied a bit. Um, wow. River Phoenix was the alpha. He was a little bit older and they all looked yeah. up to him. Um, Jerry O'Connell was the youngest and was kind of like, he said, <laughs> I love just thinking about it. it's great, isn't it? He goes, that, he says, we're all good mates. He was kind of innocent with it all. Yeah. Corey Feldman was just like his character. Like he was, yeah. he had a really hard, you know, pretty publicized, hard upbringing. He was yeah. abused a lot as, as a kid. Yeah. And so he was carrying a lot of that anger that, that was in his character. Man, he was really good too. I didn't know what to expect from him because I haven't seen him in much other than like um, Lost Boys. Seen I haven't like, seen him in much else. Really? Oh, Gremlins. He was in Gremlins a little bit. But the, yeah. The Burbs and I think I've, I've, missed, I've missed heaps of him. Really? And so I wasn't really sure. But he was great. He's awesome in this. So good. They're all so good. This is the thing. It's hard to talk about this movie without just going, oh, how good is it? I know. They're all so good. But, um, special though. They've all got this complexity. And yeah, you're probably right. They've cast them. So they're working from a solid base of basically being these kids. <laughs> that, yeah, but that's, you know, there's effort in the casting there, but 
Yeah. It's not like their dads because each of, each of these guys have gone on to have careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> Just on the Vern, yeah. on the Jerry O'Connell one, apparently when he came in, apparently when he gets on, when he got in there to meet the, the you know, the casting crew, he's like, are you guys all from Channel 5? Like, <laughs> which is the station that Rob Reiner's TV show was uh, on, um, yeah. All in the Family was on. Like he was just like, <laughs> he's just like the character, just loudmouth, full so of enthusiasm. Bad. Oh, man. Oh, I also loved... Uh, a bit like it, but man, the the asshole teenagers, yeah, were just like perfect. They're not just bullies; like they'll stab you. Well, that's <laughs> like, yeah. They're like, like serious bullies. When did the bully has the bully notion dialed down a little bit? Because back then, like Kiefer Sullivan will, will stab you. Yeah, you'll you'll get murdered. He might kill you. And in it, there's pretty hardcore shit going on there. Yeah, too. yeah, they do stab him, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they Push cut him, down they the cut him the fat kid. They yeah. carve into his stomach. Yeah, they cut his stomach. Yeah, who is basically the same character as Ace, which I'll get into in a second. Stephen but, King knew how to write a bully. Yeah, but I also loved. I'm watching this thing. Said it's. I think the book was set in 1960. For whatever reason, this was 1959. But they're out there being bandits, hitting the letterboxes, playing letterbox yeah. baseball in yeah, the car. Yeah, yeah. And the the song that's playing is the that song from Twins. Take out the papers and the trash. <laughs> and it made me think, it's like, was this the fuck the police of 1959? <laughs> Maybe. Is, and is this what people will think of fuck the police in 2059? Like, it would just be seen as some quaint. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> this is what they thought was hardcore. It's hard to sing it not in Arnold's voice. Ain't gonna rock and roll no more. don't come back. I'll be back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, yakity yak, I'll be back. Craig, that's very clever. It's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I just have never heard this kind of music before. Oh, man. I'm glad that we managed to get an Arnold reference into this episode. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it was a stretch, but we made it work. Um, yeah, the other part I really like about this movie, you've touched on already. I think you, um, you nailed it with how... Um, River Phoenix's characters kind of they, – they all kind of were filling the void of the father figure thing to each other. They were all kind of yeah. like – but I've always been – well, not always, but upon reflection of my youth, <laughs> in the past few years I've realised how much like the, your circle of mates you have at that age mm. is just as important or if not more than like your parents. Mm. Like I look back at my mates at that age, who's most of them I'm still actually friends with which is maybe different to what the message of the movie is, but yeah, well, maybe not the exact same age, but you get the idea. Yeah, um, like there's so much that I've uh, learned, learned. Yeah, like your values, your path, your kind of like mm. how you behave, how you view the world, and how you go about doing things and goals and all that kind of shit. Mm. And um, like parents obviously have an impact, and it's not like I didn't have parents. But mm. I feel like they can have they can have a broad direction. Well, you're probably spending more time with your mates at this age, and at right? this age, you're not interested whatsoever, right, in parents. So yeah, you can easily. I think about it all the time. I don't have kids yet. You have kids, but when you do have kids, how do you navigate that? Making sure they got the right friend group and shit. Yeah, because often they won't look like they are. Because on paper, I think my mates probably wouldn't think they were the 
great ones. Well, and, and, in, <laughs> and this, in this one, in this one he's like, exactly. I don't want you hanging out with that Chris Chambers kid. He's a thief. Which is exactly. He's like, man, he's took the money in my book. He's a thief. I'd yeah. be like that. I'd say the same. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing too. I was saying with, the, with these different characters, I relate to all of them. I feel like I've been each one of those kids in different scenarios. Because mm. I've been the kid that the other mother didn't want her kid hanging out with. I've had the friend where my mom doesn't want me hanging out with that yeah. kid. I've been the the dorky one, the cool one, in all different scenarios, right? Mm. So I feel like, and I think it's probably true for most people that would feel that way. You can kind of relate to all of the characters in a sense. True. Yeah, yeah there's parts of it. Yeah, I, I think my my best friend at the very a little bit younger these guys was basically Chris Chambers. Right. I had a friend like that, and um, like we got suspended from school for doing all kinds of fucked up shit in like yeah. year seven. And I remember thinking he was a cool bad boy. And then one day, it sounds like something out of this movie, but literally one day I I was like, man, you're so lucky. Your parents don't care at all. And he was like, yeah, well, sometimes you wish they would. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Sorry, mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fully right. Like fully. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. So it, there's just none of this that happened in the movie happened, <laughs> but it's all so relatable. It's just, I'm sure everyone's got little stories like that. Exactly. I, yeah. I was mostly jealous of the overnight camping though. That's Yeah, I never did that. Yeah. We couldn't do that these days. Well, I was also thinking while we weren't as hardcore as they were in the 50s and 60s, we'd still get out and get dirty and do things. Yeah. Uh, what are kids these days going to do? Are they going to have adventures like this? I don't know. I mean, our, our adventures, you know, we'd come home at night. Yeah. We'd sneak out sometimes at night. Yeah. We played ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> Where we would try and get through as many backyards without being seen in the evening. Whoa, that's yeah, a cool game. That was pretty cool. I'd be horrified as an adult if, like, did I see something? Because, you know, I'm terrified of kids. <laughs> like, because in horror movies, it's always a creepy kid. Yeah. So if I saw a creepy kid in my backyard. It was pretty fun. We'd, like, plan it during the day <laughs> and then we'd, like, execute at night. Wow. Wow. But also one night we were meant to do it and then I cried because I missed my mum and my mum had to come over and pick me up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was definitely kind of like I was kind of like a Gordy slash Vern. Yeah, very little, Chris, <laughs> very little Chris in me as a child. I, I had and I was probably mostly Gordy with little Vern. I, I probably was least um, Teddy. I had some Teddy rage. <laughs> yeah, uh, my dad never laid a hand on me, but yeah. I definitely had some some Teddy rage. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Had, had. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mentioned this before. There, I was thinking throughout, like there's so much, and maybe it's just a Stephen King thing because I'm sure there's other stories too, but it and this movie, mm. they're almost like two different expressions of the same idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. go on. Well, like even quite literally, Dead Brother. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought of that one last, ironically. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the Dead Brother and... Like so much of it is about this the main character obsessing yeah. about the brother. What was the what was the kid's name in um not the brother Georgie, obviously. What was the older brother's name in I can't remember. It? Dingus. I don't know. Um Steve? but also the, the bullies were like murderous them, bullies. Fifties bullies. Yeah, like with flick knives and yeah. they'll cut you. Yeah. Um they're basically the same character. It's almost like a it's almost like when you get a remix of a song. It's like this is it is like the supernatural remix of this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, Dido released a lovely song called Thank You or something and then Eminem turned in just there. <laughs> um, like, I wrote it, I'm a starter cat. <laughs> a 
Hope you can't breathe and you dream about it. <laughs> that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because it's my karaoke song. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is. I, take, I like to take the audience on a journey with that one. Yeah. Uh, actually, don't do it anymore. I've retired it because um, it's a bit much. <laughs> well, is the karaoke still open? I like, feel like, well, apparently it is, but it's got to be the worst possible COVID. Well, apparently singing is bad for COVID. Which Kids, kills it. They've cancelled. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. It's, it's good for COVID. Um, oh, the power it's of good music. for spreading COVID. The <laughs> when you put these microphones right up, I mean, we're up. probably COVIDing everywhere right now because yeah. the, <laughs> the schools have cancelled singing. There's no singing at schools anymore. Ah, this is this is what happened in that in Footloose town. Yeah, we're basically I'm starting to living. believe the conspiracy theorists. I know, right? They They're taking away <laughs> children's happiness. <laughs> Not much like it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Pennywise. And yeah, so that was good. That was not bad. Yeah, bringing it, bring it back. Yeah. Um, so they're confronting the idea of death and their fears in this movie and also in it, although in it it's more like literal manifestation of their fears and death and all that kind of shit. Um, friendship being the solution, power of friendship. Yeah. Parents were all assholes pretty much. Or at least were like, yeah, yeah, well, they're assholes. And it actually throughout watching the movie because I, I knew most about this movie and I knew this wasn't it. You know how there's sometimes there's Stephen King movies that still have a little hint of supernatural? Yeah. And so I was, yeah. throughout I was like, well, maybe there'll be something. Like Keith Sutherland might just suck their souls out of their body? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He was a, he was a good asshole, wasn't he? Fuck, he's great. He's the, yeah. he, was the, he always was. He yeah. was the, always the best asshole. Yeah. But I was always scared of him as a kid. I was probably just more because of um, Lost Boys. I yeah. think that's the first thing I ever saw him in. His voice, like his whole, mm. his whole demeanour, but amplified by his voice, he has this... Really calm, yeah, deep. And like he doesn't care. Voice that, like, calm people are scarier than crazy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When his costume, his outfit at the end of this movie, it's oh like a party goodness, boy. It was amazing. Yeah. That shirt. Yeah, that was what I noticed as a as a kid. I was scared of him. As an adult, I was like, oh man, that shirt is. Yeah, he's got it. He's got a good party shirt. Yeah, it's oh, it's beautiful. He looked like one of the hunters from. Um, from the party shirt under from Hard Target. Yeah, 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 he did. <laughs> um, oh, the book. Novella? The novella. So there were, it wasn't, uh, I didn't go into an origin story because it was a bit too much of a detour, but there were some interesting differences between the book and the movie, the novella, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah, please, movie. please, please. Um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise you, I suppose, to hear that this is, it was pretty much autobiographical for Stephen King. Mm. I think like quite literally because in the book basically everyone but except Gordy dies. Hey, question. Which apparently happened to him in real life. I couldn't find much Stephen King. Couldn't find much Stephen King. <laughs> in what sense? <laughs> um, on talking on Stand By Me or Slash. Yeah, I'd only heard third, like third hand. Yeah. Because Rob Reiner says Stephen King loved it. Yeah. They did a private screening with him. Yeah. And he, he like disappeared for a minute after or whatever and then he came back It's like, it's the best one. <laughs> you know, yeah, best. he said this is the, the the closest adaptation or whatever to whatever yeah. I in, in my head. The- no, it was still the 80s, so I think you're, you're knocking around some pretty average yeah. movies. Okay. Um, I think when we when we did Pet Cemetery, I think we looked at like the top rated um, Stephen King movies and I think this was number four. What's number one? Maybe Shawshank. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what's in between though. Or maybe, yeah. But this is up there obviously. Carrie but, or um, something. Carrie's pretty. Well, after this movie, because Rob Reiner was still early Misery. days, like we said, 
Rob, Rob Reiner, Reiner did Misery, didn't he? Yeah. He did Misery and he started his own company called Castle Rock. Yeah. Named after where this is set. Uh-huh. Um, which always confused me because when I heard Castle Rock since doing this podcast, I was like, well, that must be Stephen King's company. But then it's not. And then now it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this is a TV show called Castle Rock now. It's on Foxtel and it's just set in the Stephen King universe. And yep. it's got nods to all the different and things. things just happen. Yeah. I watched the first episode and then I kind of lost interest. Yeah. It would be a good thing to watch on a flight or something where you could just binge it and you've got nothing else to do. And have some Valium <laughs> with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the difference is we mentioned this and now I said I was bummed about Chris dying at the end of the movie but the novella was much worse. Mm. They all died. <laughs> well, even before they all died, except, except for Gordy, even before they all died, the bullies get revenge. Oh. Beat the shit out of him, break Gordy's nose, break his fingers. His fingers? Yeah, that's that, – fuck, these are bullies, man. <laughs> man. Break, break his fingers? That's yeah. Like, that's like owing money to the mob. <laughs> exactly. Man, so they all die. Vern is killed in a house fire. Oh, yeah? How old? Three, three. Probably because he was under the house looking for his penny. <laughs> <laughs> that was right. No, apparently it was after a house party and um, the house was on fire. <laughs> Teddy crashes his car under the influence, killing himself and passengers. Um, Chris suffers the same fate as in the movie, but I think as still as a college student, I think maybe. Yeah. Gordy. Gordy's the same really, but I think there's more closer ties to Stephen King because it talks about him writing supernatural novels and things as well. So it's basically Final Destination. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, and the one major difference as a result of, you know, making Gordy the focal point was Devin Sauer. Um well he seems like he should be in this, doesn't he? Although he's Stan, isn't he? In Stan. Is he? Yeah, he's Stan. Oh Devin Sau Sauer. Sauer. He, Don't know who, who he is, ask your wife. He, girls loved him. Oh yeah. He he's was. in now and then. Carol only watched oh, now and then. That's right. For him. But um sorry, the one change the one more significant change. With having Gordy as like the main guy in this, the main story arc you look at, he had the gun in the end rather than Chris. Yes. So in the book, Chris had the gun. And again, Rob Reiner says that Stephen King said, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Genius. 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 Yes, ending with the gun. Stephen King said this is the best podcast covering one of his movies he's never heard. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming he's listening, so mm. hey. Um. Should we do a little uh, River Phoenix? Yeah. Detour? Float down the river? Float down the river. Man, it's hard. You can't, know, you can't watch this without just thinking about that constantly. And you see scenes like that that we played before and you're like, fuck. Ah, oh, man, the foreshadowing is heavy. Yeah. Like there's a, you know, if, if you haven't seen the movie recently, you might recall this or try to recall this, this you know, the last sort of scene when they're, when they separate after the after the adventure, yeah, and it's he kind of walks off in this in yeah distant kind of thing and kind of disappears. It's heavy. It's uh, heavy, well, and, that, and that's why it really cut me. That's what I was saying because heart. I was like, "Yeah, he made it," and then they they break your heart right at the end. Yeah. Well, that's also what I was thinking with um, what I was saying about friendship and how important it is at that age. You can look at that. There's like a meta implication there because these kids were that age, these actors. And ironically, a few weeks ago, we were making fun of the Pussy Posse. Mm. So Leonardo DiCaprio's group that's basically entourage. Yeah. Going around, carrying on like being, a bunch of- Being crude. Douchebags, which we all would have been if we were famous at that age. 
But in hindsight, maybe the pussy posse is best case scenario. Maybe they all turned out well because they had each other. You look at you look at a lot of the child stars. You look at River Phoenix. You look at um, Corey Haim and even Corey Feldman. They haven't had a great transition into adulthood. No. Brad Renfro. Like no, man. maybe they didn't find their group that the ones they're depicting in this movie. Like maybe they didn't find their pussy posse. So pussy posse, as cringy as it is, is maybe the best case scenario for child stars. Looking out for each other. Find your pussy posse, yeah. I think the one theme that keeps coming up is that, you know, a lot of these child stars are getting taken advantage of. Yeah, it's um, pretty fucked up. It's all kinds of fucked up. And, you know, even listening to Will Wheaton talk about this movie and, you know, there's oh yeah, he's had his own fair share of problems. Right. Um, Not kind of akin to the Feldman. Yeah. Of the world, but you know, he probably had a rough time. Jerry O'Connell, less so. It's funny that he no seems one like the same character. Do you want to see this interview of him talking about this I movie? Saw that. Did yeah. you watch it? Yeah, it's, he's pretty. He's pretty high NRG. He's full of beans. He's full of beans. <laughs> I was going to talk about river, but hang on. Yeah, let's, sorry, sorry, sorry. We're going down the cut, river. Yeah, cut that back. So we're going down the river. Now his parents were hippies, apparently. You we, you yeah, talked about yeah. this before. He's, they were in a cult called Children of God. Yeah. But um, because his siblings, his siblings' names, we know Joaquin, but also there's Rain Phoenix, yeah, Liberty, Summer, all good names. There's no judgment here, but it gives you a bit of a sense of the level of hippie they were at. Mm-hmm. This I didn't realize this was actually his first big thing, yeah, this right. Movie, but he did um he did some commercials before. Oh, good. And I've got one here for Ocean Spray. Ah, the the cranberry people, the cranberry folks. Do yourself a real good deed, refresh a better way. Take good care of your thirst, have an ocean spray. Cran grape! Cran grape cranberry drink is a blend of juicy grapes and tangy cranberries with no artificial preservatives, flavorings, or colorings. And with all the vitamin C we need every day. Cran grapes, one refreshing taste from ocean spray, another is pink grapefruit juice cocktail. Take good care of your thirst, have an ocean spray. Cran grape and pink grapefruit juice cocktail. Tell you what, I'm very partial to cranberry juice. However, yeah, if I was a kid and I believed I was getting a glass of juice, and, and you got someone ocean handed spray. me an ocean spray cranberry juice, I was very, I'd be very likely to throw that back on them. Yeah, agreed. I remember the ocean spray people descended upon Australia when yeah, I was the probably two old boys, age. the two old guys. Yeah, and I'm, ocean- I was so susceptible to advertising. Oh them. my god! I was like, yeah, I want ocean spray, but I would be so susceptible to advertising that I would pretend to like it. Did the you? Same thing happened with spam. I was like, yeah, I love Spam, Mum. I want more Spam. Spam burger, Spam burger. Yeah, yeah. You, you cut, cut it this, this way, way, you get three quarter pound burgers. Oh, my God. I was God. sold. And so Ocean Spray, um, Spam burger, and I would pretend to like it just to not feel really? like I was wrong. I wouldn't. You see, I'd get it. I'd, I'd, I'd pester power the shit out of my <laughs> yeah. Ocean Spray and then Mum would bring it. She'd like I finally, wouldn't finish it or whatever, finally but I wouldn't yeah. admit that I didn't Oh, like she's it. like, <laughs> when are you going to drink the Ocean Spray? <laughs> I got you the ocean spray. <laughs> it sounds just like her. Yeah. I haven't met your mother. Or Carol. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh, man, it's crazy, isn't it? I was. I literally would watch TV to be told what to consume. Yeah, 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 100%. Which I do now, but it's more subtly. <laughs> yeah. I, I pre- Less consciously. I think I don't yeah, now, but yeah. I still do. Yeah, exactly. Um, another yeah, little clippity clip from the year before. I turned out TV. From the year before this movie, he was on Family Ties. 
as like a young boy genius that's in college or something. Oh, yeah? Um, which I must have seen because I watched all of that shit when I was a kid. I don't get to meet many girls my age in college. The truth is, is I don't get to meet any. I'm lonely, Alex. In fact, for all of my astounding intelligence and academic achievement, I traded all right this minute for a date. Just one date. Yeah, I guess, I guess it must be difficult for you. You know, a companion, a confidant, a friend. I know what you mean. A chicken hot pants. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Uh, a momentary lapse. Well, enough of that. <clears throat> Let's get back to work. All right. Hey. Hi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Jennifer, this is Eugene. Eugene, Jennifer. Enchanted, my dear. Yeah, right. Uh, not entirely realistic. Obviously, he would fall for Mallory. Mallory was a babe. Do you remember? Yes. I had the older a brunette massive sister. crush on her. Justine Bateman. Ah, oh, is that Justine Bateman? The sister of I have um, these really Jason disconnected Bateman. memories of family ties. I've watched it a lot. Me too, but yeah. I, I don't know, kind of. I thought he, it's one of those ones though too. The dad I thought was really old then. But he looks the same now. It's a bit like a Betty White thing where I thought she was heaps old in Golden Girls but in hindsight they were like 50 or whatever. She was only 80, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I must have just been pumping too much ocean spray because I just don't remember it that well. <laughs> what else we got on this movie, Greg? So River. Mm. Was in commercials. Was in commercials. It would be remiss of us not to talk about his decline. Yeah. Um, and death, I guess. We talked about it already in an episode where. He, I think it was the year. It was the year. But man, it's fucking, it's tragic. This guy was like, he was a, you know, it's, it's widely accepted. This guy was super special. He was yeah. going to be, he was going to be something. He was the guy. He had it all. Yeah. He had all the things. It would have been his 50th, birth, 50th birthday like three days ago, four days ago. Yeah, that's kind that of. time of recording. Serendipitous. Literally. Yeah. yeah, literally like this week was, yeah. his, was his 50th birthday. Yeah. Feel old yet? Yeah, wow. Yeah, it's very sad. He's, he's, uh, his family was on 60 Minutes recently, obviously off the back of Joaquin's oh, right. Joker success. And he's left a big hole there, man. Like they're still very. Yeah. Very saddened by that. Yeah, tactic. Man, <laughs> it's not a lot of jokes to be had there. It's not a lot, but um, on a less lighter note, Corey Feldman is also. Man, that's a whole other thing, isn't it? It's a whole other thing. Th- that, well, that's the thing in watching this. I'm like, he seems like more of an adult in this movie than he does in real life now. Yeah, like we saw him and his He's angels. Had a pretty rough trot. Do that performance on one of those morning shows. And no one's telling him this is a bad idea. Like that's the scary part. He's living in a weird bubble. Yeah, he's made those accusations. He's made, I mean, he's made some big accusations. There is obviously some fucked up shit happening in Hollywood with kids, hundred percent. And then when he said he was going to reveal it all, like okay. And then he said Charlie Sheen, which I don't know, maybe it's true, but it seemed like there was going to be more to it than that. It's all pretty weird and all very bad. Yeah, I feel for that guy, man. Yeah, 
He definitely, he didn't, I think he had a, like, as I said, he had a bad, he was having a bad time outside of Hollywood, I understand. Like he's, yeah. I don't know what his home setup was. There's not a lot, it's kind of limited information, but it's un, it's understood that it wasn't good. Yeah, man. But yeah, Then you got Jerry O'Connell, who, who's just like oblivious to it all. It defies the odds, man. The fat kid, the massive glow up. Although, yeah, he, he's he definitely <laughs> blossomed. He does, uh, you know, he, he's brought us, um, we'll talk about Jerry a lot because I'm sure I'm assuming we'll cover other classics like uh, Kangaroo Jack and Ugh. Body Shots. What's that? Uh, Tomcats. That's probably Tomcats in, this, in the era. With, with Gary Busey's son. Yeah. Sliders. Hey, did you watch Sliders? Sliders. I did watch a bit of Sliders. Yeah. But that was a cool show. He, the funny thing for him is his, his dad's, he tells this story and we'll play the story, but he tells a story about his dad who's English talking about him going to yeah. um, do this movie. He's like how excited he was. His dad effectively says, uh, you know the movie's never going to be released. But <laughs> play the clip. It's so funny. My father said to me, I came back from shooting and I was like, oh, dad, it was so much fun. Like it was just so great. We shoot a, a master, like a wide shot. And then they go in for coverage, like close-ups, and they want you to be more quiet in the close-ups, but they want you to play a bigger in the masters. And it's it was just so fun. And my father is English. He's a really funny dude, too. He was like, <clears throat> um, you know this movie will never be released, right? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, what? No, it's coming out. It's a movie. And he was like, my father who worked in advertising, you know, worked in advertising, did well. Like he had so many friends in advertising who like moved out to LA to make it big. And like, I'm sick of copywriting. Like you could take this job and shove it. And then like went out to go write like a script would always like come Come back. back. And he'd be like, oh yeah, so-and-so came back today, you know? Um, And um, he was like, you know, um, these films never get released. They never see the light of day. This, This film will never... It would never come out. No one will ever see it. And I remember thinking, like, oh, what a bummer. Like, I really would have loved to have seen this, you know? So, but it, look, he didn't slow him down. He's married to Rebecca Romine. Yeah. So. I remember there was, um, I was watching, like, the Comedy Central roast of um, Bob Saget years ago. Yeah. And John's, this is way off topic, but for whatever reason, it always stuck in my head. John Stamos was the, was the, Roastmaster for that episode. Yeah, right. And everyone made fun of him because this was close to the time that Rebecca Romaine left him for the fat kid from Stand By Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently he tells a story that when they were dating and she she took him to meet a bunch of her old friends and um, and the old friend uh, that yeah. she'd never told him. Yeah. But so her, her friend was like, hey, by the way, she was a massive Stand By Me fan when she was a kid. She had posters all over her wall. And yeah. Yeah. How mad is that? It's probably over in Phoenix, but, you know. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out one day that our wives listen to the podcast. Maybe. <laughs> that would be crazy, though. That would be very lucky. Hey, we've got to talk about the song. Oh, yeah. This movie is named after a song, and the whole score of this film is just the song in various at, different... At various speeds. At various speeds. you got this nice little... Oh, yeah, there it is. What instrument is that? I don't know, some kind of wind instrument. Flute? Yeah. But uh, obviously there's that's throughout the movie. There's all kind of varying versions of that. Um, but it's a great song. It's one of those easy songs to play. It was the first song I learned on guitar because it's just like the G, E minor, C, D or something like that. 
Way minor. Yeah, something like that. Those easy four chords where you can kind of play heaps of songs with that. Yeah. It's, it was one of the first songs I learned. And um, But, you know, there's over 400 recorded versions of this song. Amazing. So it started, the initial one was in 1961. It peaked at number four on the charts in the US. Did Benny, Benny King, does he have any other hits? I don't know off the top of my head. He wrote a lot of songs for other artists. This song itself was meant to be for for the Drifters. Um, ah. but they passed. But, yeah, this song was not, it reached number four initially in the charts, but then in 86 because of this movie it, it got peaked again at number nine, which is kind yeah, of crazy. Yeah, brought it back. Brought it back. We've got a, you know, a unchained melody type scenario here. 400 recorded versions. We mentioned that John Lennon did a cover, Otis Redding did a cover, Tracy Chapman did a cover, but did you know? Yes, Cassius yes. Clay, Muhammad Ali yeah. did a cover <laughs> of Stand By Me. Give it to me. And it's not the worst. From his album, I Am The Greatest. Ah. Which is mostly spoken word, except for this. I've never heard of it. Bad. I think it's an easy song to sing, generally speaking, like relative to. And he doesn't try and overcook it. Yeah, yeah. I think that he's he knows his limits. Um, you know, technology wasn't. He stays within his lanes. Yeah, and then there's there's obviously um, you're obviously familiar with the um, Anita Mui Cantonese version of the song from the eighties. No. No. Stand by me. <laughs> Apparently that was that was a pretty big song. When she she passed away, I think in the late nineties, and a bunch of different artists covered that at her funeral. Like that was like her big a big song. Oh, well, R.I.P. We, we've played some some interesting covers, but let's take this thing full circle. Uh-huh. Do you know who recorded this in 1998? Richard Dreyfus, As part of some weird compilation album, very close. Corey Feldman. Getting further away. Stephen King. Stephen King? Yeah. I feel like I'm in karaoke. It's yeah. all very karaoke music. Yeah. This is where it all begins. When the night has come, the land like is dark, <laughs> and the moon is the only. I feel like I'm in a small Western bar. Yeah, yeah. David Lynch setting. Yeah. I King. won't cry. I won't cry. No, I won't. Come on, get it to you. That's a good description. Yeah. But I wish I'd, I'd not the high parts. I'd be happy to say 
if I had run into a small bar in the middle of nowhere, but fuck Idaho, and Stephen King was in there doing karaoke, singing that, that would kind of be a better story. <laughs> That's true. Maybe we should make that story up. Okay. Sell it to E News. <laughs> make Good. a million dollars. That sweet internet money. How about we get into the verdict? Let's get into the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. The law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Right, Greg, I've done something a little different here on my end on this one. Oh, yeah? Because I feel like I get to the verdict and I've, I I just go, yeah, it was pretty good. But I wanted to distill my thinking down. Nice. And I wrote this a little, is good. I wrote a little blurb. Oh, okay. I might tend to be a serious film critic here. So Stand By Me is a textbook example of how sometimes the more specific you make a story, the more universally relatable it becomes. 1959, four kids, a train track, a dead body, a place, a time, an activity that I nor you nor anyone I know has ever really been uh, or, or taken part in. Yet it's a story that is somehow infinitely relatable. You're none of these characters, yet you feel like all of them. You feel nostalgic for a time period in which you did not exist. Your heart will break for both Chris Chambers and River Phoenix. And for all these reasons, this movie is no less relatable in 2020 than it was in 1986. If you haven't watched this movie, watch it. If you have watched this movie, tell a friend who hasn't watched it to watch it. What better symbol of friendship than to bring this celebration of bull true friendship into another person's life? Four and a half stars. Ooh, nice. <laughs> four and a half stars. Four and a half. I've got to leave room for it's the first time I've given a star rating. So Yeah, you didn't want to go straight out with a five. I was going with the stars because I thought like keep the pass and fail thing, it's too black and white. Yeah. Because everything most things end up being a rewatch with a caveat. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So I think it's more, I don't know if you're up for this, we could do more like a, a 2020 star. In 2020, I give this four and a half stars. I'm for it. Yeah. I give it five. Five, fair enough. I thought that was lovely, Tristan. The the, the part that resonated me with me was comment around it being no less relevant in 2020. Yeah. Um, after, you know, it makes you nostalgic for a period you might not have been around in or weren't yeah. around in. I think that's kind of like growing with time. Like I think if you watch Because this, it was set at a different time anyway, so yeah. they always age the best. And we're further away from that kind of life. So it just becomes like what, an abstract. What with the internet and such. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah. it's Smart watches. It's so far away. Yeah. This little idyllic troubled childhood. Yeah. That, yeah, I think it with, with time that... That kind of exacerbates or grows. It becomes more of an allegory because you're not yeah. you're not relating to it on a very literal level. It's more about the lesson. It's like the Bible. It's, it's like, basically the Bible. It's the Bible. This is um, the gospel according to Gordy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was nice, man. I enjoyed that. It's a good movie. Yeah. I liked it. And I think actually the fact that I didn't grow up watching this because I think the Sandlot kind of failed this test in that it, you were like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Um, this I didn't grow up with yet. It hit, it hit me in all the right places. So I think that's kind of proof that it, it holds up as it, it yeah. stands on its own. You don't have to watch it with nostalgic goggles. Because it's not a kid's movie. Yeah. It's yeah. not like the Goonies. Yeah. You know, um, for for a 
comparable kids' movie of the time. Yeah. Great movie. Not, yeah. not pissing on the on the Goonies here. A different movie. A different movie. Yeah. yeah. It's not Home Alone. It's not Home Alone. It's not. It is it's not, not Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> I was going to try and go again, but I, <laughs> you went you went zero to a hundred there. I had Sorry. nothing. What am I meant to go from there? I don't know. Shark Boy and Lava Girl two. Sister of the Traveling Pants. Now and then. Now and then. <laughs> yeah, I do have a now and then comment for. For, for as we go through our habitual box ticks. Okay. Well, let's get through into some of those. So for those that are new to the show, we've probably got a few new listeners this week, so we haven't explained many of the things we're talking about. But we will for this one. We have a little cultural relevancy test uh-huh. uh, to see how it holds up today. I mean, we've given it a score. These are more kind of meaningless tests, I suppose. <laughs> but the first one is, did Simpsons do it? And the answer is yes. Homer um, in the quarry? Uh, well, the episode is called the the episode is called the Blunder Years, which is more of a play on the Wonder Years, but it's obviously a reference to Stand by Me. Yeah, they find the body at the quarry. Oh, uh, do they? And then Homer gets scared uh, and walks part. around screaming every day until he. Oh. That's right. Is the nightmare? Yeah. Well, the, a lot of the stuff is visual because it's them walking on the tracks and stuff. But I do have a clip here, which is them chatting around the fire. Okay, that night we camped out under the stars. Ah, look at all them stars. Bunch of lazy lights. Don't do nothing for nobody. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm looking forward to? Which one would he the be? The future. <laughs> Have you heard about this internet thing? Internet? Yeah, it's the internetting they invented to line swim trugs. It provides a comforting snugness. Mm. Hey, what was that? That's that nuclear plant they just opened. Yeah, that's your future, busting atoms. Can you imagine us working there, the whole call crew? Hey, I thought we were called Lenny and the Jets. <laughs> uh, you're both wrong. We're the most Sislak experience featuring Homer. Uh, I like the sound of that. Friends forever. Friends, Friends forever. forever. Etc. Um, porn parody. I didn't look it up. I didn't look it up. Yeah, when it's kids Not involved, I don't want to look it up. Yeah, maybe that's probably why I just yeah, didn't, I don't didn't feel it. right. Yeah. Um, Bechdel Stand test. Porn. Yeah, no. <laughs> Bechdel test. Bechdel test, a big fat no, but it's, it's kind of the point of the movie. It's no, however, mm. in the spirit of Not man's explanations, um, it did pave the way for the likes of now and then. Yeah, yeah, it did. So I got that. Yeah. So you're welcome, ladies. <laughs> Another thing men did. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> We're joking, friend. <laughs> We said that ironically. Definitely. It may not translate. You couldn't see our faces. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God! Of course, it's uh. FX test. Yes, the train, the train scene. Oh, of course, the although train on the train scene. scene, I don't know how frequently trains ran then, but I'll just wait for the for next the train one and then go immediately after it. Yeah, I thought but about maybe they that. were like hours apart or something. Yeah, maybe the kids. That's true. It's both. Also, just run from the start. Well, that's that's the don't crawl. That's the obvious one. Just pepper along there. Yeah, I mean, fucking Vern, man. Yeah, fuck, he's a battler. Oh man, <laughs> he's such a the second time I watched it again today, and I couldn't help. I think I had to stand up to laugh comfortably. <laughs> I was laughing so much. His face is. Like oh my his. god, we've talked about this whole thing, and we haven't even talked about Lardas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The legend that was. So apologies for fans of this movie who are probably just going, when are you going to talk about Lardass? 
That was a nice, I love that as yeah. a little segment and their reaction to the story. Yeah. What happens? Let's go to the story, man. Uh, what's next? What's, what are we checking next? Um, recasties. I recasties. I it's not a, that kind of movie. It's not a recast. Shut recast up. Movie. Shut up. Shut up, man. Six degrees of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Six degrees of JCVD. How many degrees, how short of degrees can we get to a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie from here? Uh, what did you get up with? I've got a couple. Uh, I've only got a couple of degrees. Oh, good. You might have beat me. I've got, got like three. So we've got Marshall Bell, Quado. Oh, yeah. It was in Total Recall with Arnold. Arnold was in Terminator with Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen was in Hard Tucker with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Police cops. Police cops. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I had Jerry O'Connell in Body Shots Ooh. with Ron Livingston. Our friend from Office Space. Yes, yes. Uh, who, of course, was in Office Space with Jennifer Aniston. Uh-huh. Oh, the old Who dated friends. him in Friends. I like the go. Friends one, don't I? That's a good I, one. Yeah, I use it a bit. MVP? Oh, I, I had um, I had a combined. Yeah, they're all pretty bloody good. I had River and Will. Yeah. I kept changing throughout. Uh, they're, they're all bloody good. I think ultimately River, but man. I thought Will was really good too. I, I think so. I um. I think he. Yeah, I guess it's a less showy role. It's more. Yeah, yeah. I think he was. I think he was on par. Yeah, personally. Yeah, um, that's a fair call. Uh, and then, uh, did you have any? Uh, the like, kid that played the dead body, maybe is a okay VP. Okay VP. It's hard not to blink, man. What <laughs> <laughs> the purple deer? <laughs> I can't get people with that. Uh, I had a, an, another Julie. Oh yeah. I had Kiefer, just yeah. because I was always so scared of him, man. Yeah. And he still was awesome. He's such a cool dude. And a uh, little left field, contentious, Richard Dreyfus. Yeah. I think for me, man, the voiceover in this movie was like really important. Actually, yeah, no, me. you're right. The voiceover is good. I was thinking more of the when you look at him. <laughs> <laughs> that came out wrong. He does like, man. Like, it, I, I, I wasn't like, I don't know. I don't, I've, you know, I'm, I no, I'm no oil painting, <laughs> but. I feel like I'm in better nick than a 38-year-old Richard Dreyfus, and I yeah. Why didn't Rob Reiner play him? Good point. Yeah. Well, you had the voice there. You're throwing the body for a minute. <laughs> yeah. So they're mine. Yeah. Nice. Did you have a mini one? No, I didn't have a low key. Lardass. Yeah, Lardass. All right. Chopper. I always get uncomfortable in scenes like that with like Lardass. Now, obviously, he was wearing some extra padding and stuff, mm. but I always think. The process of casting someone who is supposed to be mm. someone like a Lardas, mm. how does that process go? And isn't that awkward? They got all got to get in the scales. When yeah, and you're like, you're perfect. You're you're huge. You're, yeah, you're a real it, fat it, ass. Yeah, I think it requires an obscene amount of uh, self confidence, which I respect. Yeah, but then then you got and there's Christian Bale stealing all their roles. Yeah, that's true. Like. I'm, I'm only half joking about this, but imagine if you were like a, you know, a heavy actor and a role comes up to play Dick Cheney or something, which is you're built for, and fucking <laughs> he comes in he's like, yeah, I'll just eat some hamburgers. Yeah, I know. You can't mess with that though. Like he's yeah. so good at that. Well, I know I get it, but also can you imagine? Oh. Have you watched it? No. I watched it on the plane. It's just on Netflix now. I'll probably watch it. It's definitely point. worth a watch. I watched it on the plane. It's very interesting just because I didn't really quite understand the whole thing. Hey, we're going to have a special guest on the show soon. Yes. We're going to get um, any Gogglebox fans out there. 
Oh, yes. We're going to get uh, the great Matt Matt Fard on the show. Yep. One half of Matt and Sarah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't told him yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's loosely committed. He's a Scarface fan, so maybe yeah, we're going to do Scarface. Oh, next week we're doing Dick Tracy. Ah. A bit of a wild card number. Yeah, I don't like this movie. I can't remember it at all. I remember being, uh, it's a bit like Spam. I think I was convinced I would like it. Yeah, same. And then I kind of tried to like it and then Al Pacino about it scared me. Man, Al Pacino, got, did he win the Oscar for this? He got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, didn't he turn down Goodfellas for this? That's next week. Leave That's a review. Next week. I'm sure we'll have a better version of that story. Thanks next week. for your reviews. Thanks for your reviews, guys. Fuck, we're running out of time. We need to do some review shout-outs soon, don't we? But if, yeah, if you're liking the show, we'd love if you could leave us a review on the platform that has reviews, such as Apple. Um, if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Welcome. Catch us on the gram. Catch us on the Instagram. We have all kinds of content posted there. Think of it as an extension of the show. There'll be more clips. There'll be all kinds of shit. Um, but we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.